0: Hi, I'm Karina, I'm the Music Ministry Director at Every Nation Auckland City. We are a multicultural, multi-generational, socially responsible church that makes disciples. We hope this message inspires you to honour God and make disciples. Last week I had a, an unexpected blessing. Would you believe it, after 10 years, some friends of ours, Turned up at church. They don't live in Auckland. They don't even live in New Zealand. They live in Australia. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We let Australians into our service. That's right. (laughs) That's right. We even have one on staff, so I'm telling you what, that's just amazing. But they they turned up, literally, they walked, I was going to the bathroom, they came through the door, and I thought, is that Peter? Is that is that really Peter? Like 10 years. And there's the, Peter and Norma, they, they live in Melbourne, Australia. And they turned up that morning in a cruise ship just down here at the port and decided, let's go to church. 10 years. I've not spoken to them, I've not messaged them, no contact. 10 years. Man, that was an unexpected blessing. Then we went out for lunch and had a good time. Have you had any unexpected blessings? Like maybe like that, like a friend just turns up at your door or turns up in person somewhere or online and, you know, talks to you. Or maybe you've received a gift. Has anybody received a gift that they weren't expecting? I think we can all put our hands up, right? Let me just ask that question again. Has anybody ever in their whole life, really easy question, folks, all right? I'm, I'm slowing down on my English so we all get this straight. Has anybody ever had an unexpected gift in their life? Oh great, if you didn't I'd be praying for you because that must be so sad. (laughs) Sometimes ladies and couples get two lines on a pregnancy test. Unexpected, you know, like oh wow. Beautiful, I mean a gift, a friend, an unexpected blessing. Gentlemen, this is where I'm really lacking. Married men or men with wives or Fiancés or girlfriends. This is where I'm pretty bad. What about those unexpected flowers or chocolates? Thank you, Joshua. Oh, you know what? I should put this thing to the computer, right? Bit of a joke there. Anybody, any ladies would like to get an unexpected guest today, tomorrow, this week? Any, any wives? Talk to me now. Single girls, would you like to get a, an unexpected guest? Gift this week? Come on. You know, it's not working, and that's okay. That must be me, Joshua. So I'll just go with this. You know, there's an unexpected guest or gift of a different kind, an unexpected blessing. There's a photo coming up here of my brother in law. So there's my brother in law right there. You'll recognize one of those ladies. That is three sisters and a brother, and during lockdown in 2020, he fell ill. And in a very short space and time, a disease gripped his lungs and hardened his lungs slowly and progressively. It was essentially like strangulation slowly from the inside out. And he died in January, 2021. His name is Graham Dallow. He didn't suffer alone. Those three sisters did an outstanding job of nursing him to the end. Probably in hindsight, some intervention earlier might have been good. The three sisters, they rotated, they circulated at great cost to help their brother, including cleaning him up when he couldn't control himself. Horrible situation. Horrible way to go. But for a man who for most of his life, almost all of his life, resisted God, in those final days, he finally surrendered to Jesus. Sometimes the most unexpected blessings come through suffering. I want to suggest to you that maybe the best, most valuable gifts from God seem to come often through suffering. Not to mention, we had absolutely no idea, but he was a man, an unmarried man. He previously married, he's divorced. We had no idea, but he left a significant financial gift to his siblings. Incredible blessing. Could some of the best unexpected blessings in our life actually come through hard times? Those moments where you ask, Where is God? Are you here, God? Do you see this when you even have doubts about your faith or about the reality of God? Is He really here? Does He really care? Maybe in moments you're not sure you're going to make it mentally, emotionally. Am I going to make it? Can I get through this, those moments of suffering? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Or have we all got mountaintop lives all the time? Yeah. When it seems unbearable, when you even feel a bit frightened. God, I don't know how this is going to work out. I can't see a way through. Sometimes the most special, valuable, long lasting, best blessings are found in hard times. The disciples, they had a day of unexpected blessings. There's a he, he spoke about it last week. I mean, it was a great day in the office. They had 5,000 people there, at least just men, I think, in the Bible. Is that right? Maybe ten or 15,000. You know the story. If you didn't catch it last week, you can catch it online. I thought it was an outstanding message about the boy's lunch and how God took it. Remember that? Talk about unexpected blessings. Like, I'm sure the boy was... And it wasn't expecting it. I'm sure the disciples, well, they definitely didn't expect this. The 5,000 or 10 or 15,000 human beings on that mountain, they didn't expect this. This was great. Like, come on, good times. And all this did was further reinforce the messianic hope. That's what scholars would call this the messianic hope is that the people of the day. We're trusting the days of old, the prophecies of old that would talk about someone else, a Messiah, coming. And they all expected a military leader, a political leader, to rise up and overthrow the Romans. This is Jesus water to wine and feed the 5,000 and just a few other miraculous deals in between. and they're expecting I mean, the atmosphere is feverish. The expectation is huge. There's a positive mood going on around here. But Jesus does something so unexpected. We learn in Matthew's rendering of the story and Mark's rendering of the story, this is what Jesus does. He sends the disciples away. The disciples also were brought into this whole messianic hope. This expectation. That's partly why they left all their, their, their lives to follow him because they thought he was going to overthrow these wretched Romans who are making our lives hard. Maybe even they thought to themselves, well, we're going to get a little bit of uh, acclaim and prestige by associating with Jesus because we're part of the crew. And our family back home, they're going to benefit from all of this because we're going to be free from the Romans. So they were bought into this thing completely. And Jesus turns to the script and he says, Hey guys, I want you to go on a boat and go across the river. And he dismisses the crowd to go back to their normal jobs down at the warehouse and the bank and stay at home mums or whatever. they All went back to their community, their lives. And Jesus went up the mountain to pray. What could the disciples have been thinking and feeling at this point? They'd witnessed the 5,000. They were just like the crowd with expecting this messianic hope. And it's like I said, it's like that why they left everything would be one of the reasons why they left everything. But Jesus kills the vibe. He perceives the intention of the crowd. You read it in John. We're going to read the scripture shortly. He, he kills the vibe. He, he sees that they're going to try and take him by force to be their king. And he perceives that the disciples want to do exactly the same, so he sends them on their way before the disciples even had a chance to join forces with the crowd. Now, I'm sure they were super confused at this point. Come on, Jesus, we've got the show going on here. We're we're, we're, we're smashing it in in the media world. We've got all the likes, all the clicks. We're trending. It's going great. And he says, go and get in your boat. You, the rest of you go home, I'm going to pray. I'm sure they are confused. I'm sure they were even a bit frustrated. We left all of our livelihoods to follow you. I'm sure they were a bit disillusioned, like what are you doing? Let's read in our scripture, in John chapter 6, verse 16. That's the mood... Of the text. I want you to read this text with that mood of confusion, disillusionment. What is up? Are we all good? Verse 16. Now, when the evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, and went over the sea towards Capernaum. And it was already dark. And Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose because of a great wind was blowing. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat. And they were afraid. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat And immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. This is the word of the Lord. The title of our message today is Unexpected Blessings from a Storm. Let's pray. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you that we can anchor our hopes, our future, our faith upon your word the infallible and errant word that doesn't alter depending on weather or governments or economy, but it's forever present. Thank you for such a gift. And may it be a central part of our lives from Monday through Sunday and bring strength and hope and peace. In your wonderful name I pray. Amen. In this moment, the disciples did not feel blessed. (laughs) disappointed like is that it Jesus have you ever been a bit disappointed in God have you ever been disappointed with God Note in the scripture, it says it was already dark and Jesus had not come to them. I I think we can read between the lines that he sent them down to jump on the boats and head on off and uh, he said, I'm going to go and pray. I think they might have expected that Jesus was going to circle back around and join them on the boat, right? Maybe they hung out. We can't see in the scripture. We can't. Maybe they sat on the edge of the, the shoreline there and, well, is Jesus coming? I don't know how many hours passed by, but it's now evening. It's getting dark. If I'm not mistaken, he fed the people their lunch. Now it's evening. I guess it's been a few hours, right, between lunch and evening. Would that be a fair summation? They've been hanging. Maybe the, the disciples have been down there, like we don't really want to go without Jesus. we, we can confused. We're disappointed, but we'd like him to be with us. And they kind of hang out until maybe somebody says, "Come on, boys. We better get rowing and do what follow what Jesus said. He's not coming." With maybe a bit of sigh, a bit of attitude, a bit of resentment. I don't know for sure, but I do know they were disappointed with Jesus. Let's get in the boat. Let's start rowing and see what happens. And three or four miles into this, and by the way, the Sea of Galilee is only about five miles in length. They're about three or four into this. And it says, by the way, that Jesus came walking to the boat on the third watch, which is like 3 to 6 a.m. the next day. So scholars are saying they probably were rowing their boat around nine hours at least. I don't know if there's food on the boat. Probably not. Had full tummies when they left. What should have been a relatively short trip, they got partway into it, and the storm came. And now, they're not only disappointed in Jesus, who didn't follow the script, who sent them away, now he's not here in the hour of need. He didn't bother to turn up to the boat. Now we're facing a storm, and Jesus wasn't with them. He left them to fend for themselves. Can you picture the attitude and the mood in that boat? Now, storms were pretty common in the Sea of Galilee at the time, pretty rough storms, and these guys were pretty familiar with those storms, and it wasn't the storm. That calls them to be frightened if you read the story. Have you ever felt like God's not there and you feel like you're trying harder? You're trying harder in life. You're trying harder to solve the relationship problem. You're trying harder to work longer. You're trying harder. Have you ever felt like that you're just tired and weary and it's just not happening? You feel like you're not making any ground? Does anybody else feel like that sometimes? These boys were tired, disappointed, hungry, probably got very sore bottoms, probably snapped at each other, all their personalities and their bickering, we see it all through the New Testament, I think under pressure that comes out more often than not, it almost certainly would have happened. They've been paddling for about nine hours, maybe longer. And Jesus starts to walk on the water. They look up and they see Jesus. Listen to me now. The unexpected blessing is about to happen. The boys didn't know it. (laughs) It says in verse 19 that they're totally afraid, but I want you to see the climax of the story is not the storm. The climax of the story, the point of fear entering the heart, was when they saw Jesus walking on the water. Why were they frightened to see Jesus walking on the water? Why did his walking on the water produce Fear in these men who had personally walked with him for many days. Maybe, like the other people, they believe that the prophets of old, that there's going to come a Messiah, they thought he would be a prophet. Maybe they thought Jesus was just a good ethical teacher or social justice advocate, a good guy, an ancient Oprah Winfrey. I don't know. I don't know exactly. But one thing is super clear, ladies and gentlemen, in that moment in time, the disciples, they see that even the sea will submit to him. They realize he is so much more than what they realized. They thought he was just that guy, a good guy, good teacher, good prophet, do a few tricks. But seeing him walk on the water. Suddenly, fear struck them and they realized he is so much more than they realized. Perhaps, perhaps their minds drifted to the ancient Psalm 77. In verse 16, it says, When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled, the clouds poured out water, and the skies came forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightning lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea. Your path through the great waters. Yet your footprints were unseen. Yes, Jesus is the Messiah that they were expecting. But seeing him walk on water, they realized in that point in time, as I said before, that he's so much more. Which Jesus do you follow? He's the one who the waters of the earth fear and bow in worship. Even this little storm out there called Gabriel is subject to the name of Jesus Christ. Look at the mountains. Look at the oceans. They worship Jesus. And these disciples realize, my goodness, he is so much more than we realize. And ladies and gentlemen, they would not have understood that until they saw him walk through their storm. Jesus is so much more than a savior. Jesus is so much more than a healer. He's so much more than a provider. He's so much more than a kind and generous king. He's so much more than your sin. He's so much more than your failure. He's so much more than all the drama in our lives. He's so much more than the bills that you're trying to face. He's so much more than broken relationships. Jesus is so much more. And maybe in your suffering... He's trying to show you and give you the most beautiful, unexpected blessing. And that is knowing Him. Encountering Him. Not a church service alone, not just a religious activity, but Him personally. And if you're like me, been through a few storms in your life, you can look back and say, man, I hated going through it, but I've got to say, There's a strength in my faith and there's an intimacy in my walk that would not have come any other way. It's true. Don't fight it. Lean into Jesus in the storm. He's got the most beautiful, unexpected blessings to show you. And some of you in this room know it. Some of you have been battling cancer. Battling great financial need, battling struggling with broken relationships. I want to tell you today, Jesus is so much more. The disciples thought they knew him until that day they realized who is this one that I follow? It was a setup. <laughs> And he takes the very waters of the storm and walks on the stuff. He uses it to walk on. I don't know whether he had a bit of a swag. I don't know, but I'd be into that. You know, like, just, you know. Hey, Mayette, would you join me up here? That'd be lovely. Thank you, Mayette. When this happened right there in the storm, they received this gift of encountering and knowing Jesus. Did you know there's no substitute for knowing him? No Christian meeting, no favorite podcast, no favorite preacher. No, none of it comes close. By the way, if any Christian podcast or preacher doesn't exalt Jesus, just don't follow them anymore. Because it's really all about this Jesus. Who are you following? Which Jesus? You're not just following the Feed the 5,000 guy, are you? He does that before morning tea every day, somewhere on the planet. What I'm trying to say to you is this powerful, amazing miracle, but it's not difficult for him. He doesn't have difficulty being God. He's totally aware, he's totally able to take responsibility, but he only takes responsibility for that which is given to him. And isn't that the real issue? Letting go? Trusting? Or are you still rowing in your own strength? Trying to get through it? Are you still rowing? Would you let Jesus in your boat? I mean, I know he's saved most of us, maybe all of us here. What I mean is Jesus in your decisions, Jesus in your choices, Jesus in in what you trust, Jesus in whose words really matter, Jesus. Would you let him into the boat of your life? He's here. He's not only so much more, Jesus is near. So much closer than you realize. And what did Jesus say? It is I do not fear. The same words that brought comfort to the disciples are here today to bring comfort to us. Don't focus on getting the miracle. Focus on the miracle worker. Seek his face, not just his hands. I think we too often treat him like Santa Claus. Take the goodies, but no relationship. What Jesus wants is relationship with you. That's what he wants. Sometimes... Sometimes the breakthrough for that only comes through suffering. I'm not saying he causes all suffering, absolutely not, but he uses it. But I think sometimes he does set up a perfect storm so we've got no other choice but to reach out to him, sometimes. Because he knows that we function best, we lived best, When he's in our boat, when we know him intimately. Is anybody happy about that? Maybe we could put the clock up there, that would help me just so I know where I'm at with time. They let him in the boat. It says in the text that they immediately came to shore. Um, there's, there's a couple of theories on this. One could be an actual, like, boom immediately there. Equally, it could be that they were at the shore in no time. They're just, So quick, the disciples didn't even really remember. They just all gobsmacked at what's happened in awe of this person called Jesus. That's not really the point. The point is, whether it was immediate or gradual, they had gladness in heart. Gladness of heart and joy in their spirit when they arrived. Let me tell you this, Jesus will get you there. If it's of him, he will sustain you, he will strengthen you. But the point is, is to let him control you. Let him have his way in your life and he will get you there, friend. And through the storm, you'll come to know him in a precious and beautiful way. Why don't we stand to our feet if we can as I close in prayer. Lord, we trust your sovereignty. In fact, maybe before I pray, if we can close our eyes. Let me ask this question. Has any part of this sermon meant anything to you? Has anything that we've spoken about this morning, is that kind of where you're at? Is there an aspect or maybe the whole thing that applies to your life, if it's speaking to you, if God is speaking to you, not me, but if God is speaking to you this morning or has spoken to you this morning, can I get your eyes are closed, lift your hands up? Just one hand up. Right, great. Pray. Keep those hands raised. Father, you see these hands raised. Lord, you see these burdens. You see these challenges. You see these storms. Lord, we just declare your sovereignty over it all. And Lord, today we choose not to get fixated on trying to solve the problem, but rather, Lord, be fixated on seeking you and knowing you. And Lord, we put our trust in your sovereignty. We put our trust in you. And I pray through whatever we're going through, that it would be all of our testimony that we would know you more deeply, would know you more Actually, in reality, that, Lord, it wouldn't be a theory or religious mental assent. It would be a real galvanizing, holding Monday to Sunday faith that's been built and constructed in our lives. We declare the purposes of God over every saint. And we yield to your will, God. And we thank you for all the lessons we've received, but most importantly, the relationship we've cultivated. We pray this now in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. To know more about Every Nation Auckland City, you can visit our website, www.everynationauckland.city. For more messages like this, You can subscribe to this podcast through Spotify, Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to podcasts.